Okay, Perkaz Abeliezer, Perk Memches. We're in the middle. I'm not, I don't remember if I made this point last week, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak it out because it's an interesting point. Last week we were discussing the Ibn Ezra and Pashas Ve'igash's question that if Yochevet was 130 years old when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, so why doesn't the Torah speak out that miracle? It's, it's, such a, it's, it's, a, it's a greater miracle than Sarah giving birth at 90. But some, it's just it's interesting, as far as I know, if you look in the entire Tanakh, the ter- in the entire Tanakh, it doesn't say the age of a, any woman at any point in her life, except for one woman, and it says her age twice. And that's Sarah. It says how old she was when, 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 when Yitzchak was born, and how old she was when she died. 127 when she died, 90 when Yitzchak was born. I don't know why. I think maybe it's coming to teach you a lesson that you shouldn't ask a woman how old she is when she's really old. Maybe. Could be. But, but the point is that the Torah doesn't speak, doesn't, never speaks about the age of a woman. Islam, that's just an interesting, an interesting idea, an interesting point. It never explicitly speaks about it. It could be from Jewish, you could figure things out, but it doesn't explicitly speak. Fine. That's an interesting idea that could be is Nagayat we spoke about last week. But I'll answer this week. Now, before we begin, I want to speak about... Oh, this, right now we're going to speak about really when did, when did the, hard, the hardships of Mitzrayim start? The Inui, the affliction, and the hard work, not just being slaves, but the hard work and the bitterness, when did that begin? So we're going to see over here that it's a machlekes, a few different sources. But the first source is not here in Perkha it's in Seder Eilam. In Seder Eilam it says that it began when Miriam was born. Because it says in the Pasuk that the Egyptians made bitter the lives of the Jews. And the name Miriam means is related to the word Mar, which is bitter. So, so Chazal saw from that that when Miriam was born, that's when that's when the real hardships in Mitzrayim started. That began when Miriam was born. Okay. Now the question is, when Miriam born? So when we talk about Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, so when we talk about Moshe and Aaron. So the Torah in Parshas Vaera says explicitly, Moshe was 80 years old when he stood in front of Paro, and Aaron was 83 years old when he stood in front of Paro. So from that we see clear in the Torah already that Aaron was three years older than Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, what about Miriam? Who, where does Miriam fit in? Uh, it's interesting. I just I was just thinking about this last week. Nowhere in the entire Torah does it say that Miriam was older than Aaron. It doesn't say that anywhere. But Chazal said, we have a Kabbalah from Chazal that Miriam was older than Aaron. And Chazal tells us that Miriam was three years older than Aaron. Just like Aaron was three years older than Moshe, Miriam was three years older than Aaron. Interestingly, I found in one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's called the Testament of Amram. Over there it says that Miriam was ten years older than Aaron. But it also has this Miriam being older than Aaron. But Chazal tells us it was three years. But so if Miriam was three years older than Aaron, and at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Aaron was 83, so Miriam was 86. Right? So it comes out that if the hardships in Mitzrayim began when Miriam was born, so from when Miriam was born until Yitzhak Mitzrayim, is 80 years. So from here, Seder Elam says that the, the hardships in Mitzrayim, the Inui and the Vayimoru Eschayayim, was 86 years. From when Miriam was born until Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's what it says in Seder Elam. Fine. Now we're going to read Pekid of Leazar. I think I asked you this question once before. Uh, I don't know what the lesson was. Uh, it's confusing to me the actual nature of the uh, slavery or how the Jews actually became what we know as slaves. Yeah. Uh, the rest of Mitzrayim, I understand that happened in Yosef's time. They ins- they sold themselves, but the Jews were free at that time. At what point did they become actual slaves? So the Gemara really speaks about this. It says it says in the pasuk, um, "Right? So the Gemara 
So the, 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 Jew, the, the Egyptians worked the Jews befarich. So what does it mean befarich? So Gabor Mesech Saita discusses various explanations of the word befarich, and one of them is peperach, with a soft mouth. The Gemara says that originally Pyro said to the Jews, you know, like, oh, come help us, we're, gonna, we're trying to build these cities over here, you know, help us out a little bit. And then they helped them out, and then over the course of time, we sort of forgot that, like, you know, we were just helping you. And it sort of became like, you know, you're, we're working for you. And then it became like, you own us. It was sort of a gradual thing, like, they became slaves like that. It wasn't like one day overnight, Pyro said, oh, you're my slaves. No, it was more of a... Gradual, yeah, it was you know he, he was crafty in that he he didn't do it. Huh? He must have been very crafty. Yeah, uh, and who did they become slaves to? To Paro? Paro to the Egyptians? I'm not sure exactly. I, I think it said to to the it seems like to the Egyptians because I believe it says in the Zohar that a, an Egyptian who I understand was already a slave. Yeah. How did they become free? So he's, he, I guess he freed the Egyptians and then he, he didn't free the Jews or something like that. So he exchanged... But it says, I, think, I think it says in the Zohar that by Kriyas Yamsuf, when, when, when the Jews were to cross the sea and the Egyptians were killed, so it says that, that there was a nace that each person was able to see his master dead. I think, I think it's a Zohar that says that. I don't remember. But, okay. but from what you're saying, it sounds like Paro... He uh, engineered this uh, shift in the labor force. Yeah. That is, the Mitzri's became free again and the Jews became enslaved. That's what it seems, yeah. Okay. Now, the, 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 the Medrash is going to speak about a very interesting story over here that you might have heard a little bit about, but it's not so famous. So, we'll see what it says over here and we'll see all the, some other sources and see how it fits together. Rebeliazer Rebeliazer says, all those years that the Jews were sitting and living in Mitzrayim, they were dwelling there peacefully and in tranquility. Until until a person named Yignoin, who was one of the descendants of Ephraim, and the, the, the Radal says that in the Yalko it says that his name is Gnoin, not Yignoin. And I found in the Pirshur Kechal Torah in at least three different places, it says that his name was Goinaz. Uh, Goizan, sorry. Goizan. Not Yignoin or Gnoin or Goizan. And somebody pointed out to the Choshuva Tamachachom named Ubchaim Dave Lyman, he pointed out to me that if you look in Sefer Malachim, so one of the places that Sancheriv exiled the not Sancheriv the the, the the Assyrian king uh, exiled yeah Sancheriv uh, exiled the ten tribes was to a place called Nahar Goizan, the rivers of Goizan. So he asked me if that's related to this. I don't know. I haven't found any relation, but it's just it's the same word. Akupanim. So the Jews were living in Mitzrayim peacefully until this guy Yignoin or Goinan or Goina Goizan from from the Shevet Ephraim got up. Omar, and he said, Hashem appeared to me and he, he, he I had some sort of vision or whatever, and Hashem said, I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim. So what happened? Ephraim, the sons of Ephraim, in the haughtiness of their heart, because B'nai Ephraim was from the, the, from the royal family, because Yosef was, was the king of Mitzrayim. So they're from the royal family. And they were They were strong warriors. What did they do? They got up. And they took their wives and their sons and their daughters. And they left Mitzrayim. And the Egyptians chased after them, killed them. Shunemite says in the Pasuk, the Pasuk in Tilim, So there's a Pasuk in Tilim that, that's Maramis to these Giborim from B'nai Ephraim that were killed. Now also, if you look in Divrei Yomim, Aleph, Perik Zayin, Pasuk Chaf Aleph, when it's talking about the descendants of Ephraim, so over there it brings some sort of story that B'nai Ephraim went, and, and, and they were killed by the Anshe Gas because they were trying to take their, 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 their cattle. 
And then it says that Ephraim, Ephraim, the, the Zayda, Ephraim himself, who was still alive apparently, he, he, he mourned them for a long time, and that's the, that's the story over there. And you can understand a little more now about the fear of the uh, Jews when they give the Mitzrayim with Moshe, oh. because here they have a tangible precedent uh, with uh, Shevet uh, Ben Yomim. Yeah, uh, Shevet Ephraim. But, 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 they got, but they got creamed. Yeah, that's why that explains the, the, the fear of the Jews when they left with Moshe. Oh, they oh. saw Mitzrayim coming. Oh, so. I mean, everything's playing out exactly, exactly. like uh, uh, Shevet uh, Ephraim. Exactly. We'll, we'll speak about that in a moment. But that's what it says over here. In the Sukkim and Divrei Yomim, like I was mentioning that about these Bnei Ephraim that were leaving, they were going somewhere that looked like they were, they were trying to take the cattle of Bnei Gas. We'll explain in a moment who are Bnei Gas. And, then they, and they were killed and Ephraim, the, the, their ancestor, um, mourned them. Yeah. So, first of all, over here, it says, so Chazal understood that that Pasuk, those Pasukim in, in Divrei Yomim, is referring to this story as well of the Bnei Ephraim that left Mitzrayim early. So the, the question is like this: All the Mefarshim discuss this over here. <coughs> the Baisa Godel asks this question, and he, he and the other Mefarshim ask it. They say over here in Pirkei Debeliezer it says, "Who chased after the Bnei Ephraim and killed them?" Rabbi Steiner. Uh, the Egyptians. The Egyptians, right? But in this Psukim over there, in part, in, in, in for Divrei Yomim. It says that they were killed by Anshe Gas, yeah. by the men of Gas. Now Gas, this is important to know, I think, the, the, the Plishtim, the Philistines, there were five main Philistine cities. Yeah? You know what the five main Philistine cities are? Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and Gas. So, so the people of Gas are, are Plishtim. So the apostles over there in Devarim is saying that Plishtim came and killed these, these people from I, meaning, I don't have a map with me, but if you can imagine it, they went up, they went out of Egypt from, let's say, the, nor- the, the northern part of Egypt, and then went like along the coast of the Mediterranean upwards. And that's where they, they, they encountered these, they encountered these uh, Plishtim from Anshigas, and these Anshigas came and killed them. Right. Which we, we're, we're going to explain, in a, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But that's what the Anshigas did. Huh? In the middle of Perak Memchas. But it says over here in Perak that it was Mitzrayim that killed them, not Anshe Gas. So, what, why is the, how can we understand that the Pesukim the Rebbe is talking about the same story over here? Two places called Gas? No. So the, nope. The Bayes Agadol asks this question, he doesn't have an answer. He says an answer, I didn't exactly understand what he was saying. The Marzu says it's a Machlikis, but it's hard to understand that it's a Machlikis. And before Pesukim, it says, that it was Anshe Gas. But the Radal says a tarot's like this. If you look in the Psukim in Parshas Nayach, so it says in the Psukim in Parshas Nayach, Umitzrayim, Yolad, Es Ludim, Es Anumim, Es Kasluchim, Es Pasusim. One second, let me just read it to you. Umitzrayim, Yolad, Es Ludim, Es Anumim, Es Lavim, Es Nafim. Basically, the Plishim were descendants of Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim the original person of Mitzrayim. So, Plishim and Mitzrayim, it's like one, sort of like one nation. You could sometimes call them Anshik, but really, re, re, you can, really it was the Plishim that killed these people. And then just called them Mitzrayim because they, these Mitzrayim, these Mitzrayim were. So the from Mitzrayim, it says the Pesukim So basically the terms are interchangeable. Okay, fine. Um, okay, so the... the but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just read the Pesukim. Who were the ones who came from Greece? Yavon? What do you mean? Yefes? Yefes. No, the Plishim were the, the sea people. Yeah. They came in. And ah, so this is different. These are not yeah. some people. Yeah. Okay. 
So we're speaking about the Bnei Ephraim that left Mitzrayim early and they were killed out. The question is, why were they killed out? What, what, what did they do wrong? What, what was their what was their oynish? So if you look if you look closely, what it said in Pekat Debalei says that they left begayus libam, like they, they had some sort of haughtiness and they went. They followed this guy Yignoin who had some sort of nevuah that he's supposed to lead the land of Mitzrayim, and they went in their haughtiness and they went out, and that's why they were killed. That, that's what it seems like Pekat Debalei is saying. The Gemara Misachas Sanhedrin Daf Tzadik and Beis says that they made their own calculation of when Yitzhak Mitzrayim is supposed to happen. We knew, like, like we, were, we discussed last week, Hashem told Avraham Avinu that they're going to be in a foreign land for 400 years, right? And we know that the Cheshbon goes from when Yitzhak was born. So 400 years from when Yitzhak was born is exactly when Yitzhak Mitzrayim happened. But they Cheshbon did from the Bris Bin Apsarim, from when Hashem told this to, to Avraham Avinu. And like we said last week, that happened, according to Chazal, 30 years before Yitzchak was born. So, so, so they were 30 years off, so to speak. So according to that, they, 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 they counted 400 years from when Hashem told, Yitzchak, told Avram Avinu that they're going to be enslaved for 400 years. 400 years later, they went out of Mitzrayim. But really, it was supposed to be four, 30 years after that. So they, they, they miscalculated when the Geula was supposed to happen. That's what the Gemara says. Ask another question on the Lashon. Even when you forget about Mitzrayim, it says that they ran after them, right? Right. From the passage to the story, they, they ran after them. They came to them, the opposite, right? They came to uh, yes, and then they killed them. Yeah, it sounds like the police were running. The, running after them. Yeah. The, the Mufashim also speak about that point. But so, so the Gemara says that, that the, the reason why they were killed basically is because they mischeshbent when the Gula was supposed to happen. They thought it was supposed to be now, but really it's supposed to be in 30 years from now. We mentioned the Ramban, and last, last week we mentioned the Ramban, in last week's shir, that the Ramban said that really, really these people were right. Really these people were right. The Gula was supposed to happen 30 years earlier. But because the Jews in Mitzrayim were sinning, whatever, Hashem added an extra 30 years to the, to the thing. It wasn't supposed to be 400 years, it was supposed to be 430 years from when Yitzchak was born. The Ramban is working with a different Cheshven than, than we're working with. Did they try to convince the, uh, the other Jews to come with it? I didn't. I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, other places also say this. Targum Yehuda, Targum in beginning of Parshas B'Shalach, it says in the pasuk of Parshas B'Shalach, Vayi B'Shalach Paris Am, Vloi Nacham Alikim, Vayi B'Shalach Paris Am, Vloi Nacham Alikim, Derech Eretz Plishtim Ki Karayvu. Hashem didn't bring them through the Derech Eretz Plishim, the way of the land of Plishim, because it was close. Wesmin Kikorahu, it's not clear, Wesmin is close. So if it's closer, that would be, that would be a good way of doing it. So Mufarshim speak out, Targum Yenus over there, and other Mufarshim say that because what happened was that the Bnei Ephraim went that way. They went Derech Eretz Plishim, and they got killed. So Hashem didn't want to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim that way. One of, the, one of the explanations is because then they would see the bones of these dead Ephraim people that, that, are, that are left around and they would, get, they would get sort of scared and dissuaded from going out of Mitzvah and they might turn back. So Hashem didn't want them to go through that so they, so they didn't do that. Gemara in Sanhedrin says that these bones of the people from Ephraim were the bones that Yechezka brought back to life hundreds of years later. Also the Targum over there in Devar Yomim also says that that was their hate. The hate was that they, they miscalculated when the Gula was supposed to happen. If you look in the Mechilta, which is a Medrash Halacha from Chazal, in the beginning of Parshat B'Shalach, so the Mechilta says, it seems to say two things. It says in the Mechilta, the Bnei Ephraim were killed because they were Avra al-Kates ve'al-Shvua. They transgressed the, the Kates, which, which was supposed to be the end of the Gula, and they went out early, and on the Shvua. And they transgressed the Shvua. So what's the Shvua that we're talking about over here? So there's a few, there's a few ways to understand this. The Radal over here on Perkei Debeliezer, as well as the, the Mohin of Rom in his Pirsh Zayez Ranan on the Yalkut Shemaini, they say like this. There's a Gemara Mesachas Ksubis, a famous Gemara in the end of Mesachas Ksubis, Kifir Aleph and Aleph, that says, Hishbat Yazchem Yisrushalayim, it says it three times in, in Shir Shirim, that basically Hashem made three Shavuahs between Klal Yisrael and Hashem, that basically they're not going to try to go out of the, out of the Golos early. The Golos is the Golos, and we make a sure that when Hashem wants to end the Golos, He's going to end the Golos. We're not going to try to, to, to circumvent Hashem's plans. Shiloh Yidchukul is the Kate, so these type of things. 
So the Zayas Ranan and the Radal understand that when the Medrash says that Bnei Ephraim were killed because they were over Lakates, but Allah Shvua, it's talking about this Shvua. Just like we have that, we have such a Shvua with Hashem about our, in our Golos that we're in right now, so too when they were in Golos and Mitzrayim, they also made such a Shvua. Which is an assumption that I haven't really seen elsewhere, but, but, but this is what the Mepharshim say. That they also made a shvuah. So when the Medrash says that they were overall kate, so all shvuah, it's talking about the same thing. That basically, because they went, because they decided to go out early, so that's why they were punished and they were killed out. And then I found that the Targum on Shir Shirim also says this shot in, in, in the Psukim over there that it says that on the, on the shvuah, it says that and B'nai Ephraim that went out of Mitzrayim early, they, they were over on the shvuah and, they, and they were killed. So there, there's such a shot. But Lamaisa, I don't, I don't necessarily like this explanation so much. Because if you look at the Lashon of the Medrash, it says, They transgressed the Kates and the Shvua. It sounds like we're talking about two things. According to this, to, to this explanation, one thing, the Kates and the Shvua. The, the Shvua was that you're not going to leave early. So it's Kates and on the Shvua. So, I, so it's, 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 it's very confusing. This individual, I mean, couldn't, without, with being guiltless, couldn't he have felt that Okay, I just had this nevuah. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't sent to me last year. It wasn't. It's. It's sent to me right now. Okay. In other words, because the nevuah hurt him, couldn't he assume that now is the time? I was just sent. It could be. It could be. It could be. He, that was his mistake. He thought that it was supposed to be now, and, and it was. A, I mean, who was to tell him that it, could, it was time added on? It could also be, I was also bothered by this a little bit. It could also be that the guy was pushed a line and everyone fell for it. It's something else. It doesn't, it, it, we, we don't say that this guy, this Yignoyan person was a Navi and, and, and he had a Nabu and, and it was a real thing. It could be, yeah, the guy got up and said, ah, oh, it's time for the Gu'ula. Now we're going to go out and, and we're going to go fight the guy. Who, who said that? Maybe he's dumb, he made it up. I don't know. Okay, so, so what does it mean al kate al shwa? These two things over here. What? No, no, it's interesting. It's like apart from the, the rest of the people, but it's just them. Right. The so the Marshal says like this. Marshal Masaka Sanhedrin, he, he brings the Gemara. And the, the Pashas of the Gemara is that they were punished because they left early. And the Marshal says, I don't understand. Why should they be punished for leaving early? Like, why is that something that like, you get killed for? Okay, fine. So they left early. They made a mistake. But w- w- to get killed because they left early? So Marshal says, I don't understand. He says, it can't be that. That's Bishat and Gemara. He says, this is Bishat and Gemara. He says that we're talking about these people are plishtim. Right? The, the, the people that they, they, that they ended up fighting were plishtim. It says in the Pesukim in Divra Yomim that the, the, they went to take their, their cattle. These people from Ephraim went to take their cattle. Why did they go take their cattle? So I saw in the, 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 the Vilna Gain in his parish, Adair Saliyol, on Tiveriyamim, he writes that when they left Mitzrayim, the Pasha didn't take any provisions with them. They forgot to take food with them, whatever. So when on their way out, they, they needed food, they got hungry, so they started fighting with these other people to, get, to take food from them. Right? Why did they have to get killed up? Huh? Why did they have to get punished to get killed up? Oh, oh, oh. A few terrible, they should have won, they're stronger than... Look, so, 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 so like this. And then what it says in the Sayyid Adair, you see? Well, the, with the fight, the Muhammad and whatever. Yeah, but but like listen to this. This is what the Marshal says. We have we, we find that Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu made a, made a deals with the Plishtim that you know etc. Avram and Yitzchak made peace treaties with the Plishtim. We're not going to fight with you. You're not going to fight with us. Right? Now these people went and attacked the Plishtim. They were transgressing the peace treaty, which was a shvur. So the marshal says that that was the shvur, that was that was why they got punished. So I want to say that that's what the mechulta means when it says al kates al shvur. It's talking about this shvur. That's one shot. The other shot I want to say is based on the pirush rekach in Pashas vayichi. I think it's uh, yeah vayichi. In Pashas vayichi it says that bnei Ephraim went out and because they didn't take the bones of Yosef with them, they got punished and they were killed. So I want to tell you, that was the shvur. Right. The shvur was that, that they made a shvur that they're going to take out the bones of Yosef with them. And exactly, uh, uh, right? Uh, first, uh, I have a question. What? Because it should have been 
and even one's on the horse. So first of all, it could be there's a double standard. Second of all, it could be that the the, 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 the shvul was only for four generations. It could be that once the Jew, these people from Ephraim were already mavatal the 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 the, 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 the deals, so then it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, there's there's two of them. It's a different question, mm-hmm. but fine. Al-Kubanim, that's the discussion over here of, of this story of B'nai Ephraim that left early. Now, let, let, let's go back to what we're saying. Rabbi Eliezer is saying that all those years that Klal Yisrael lived in Mitzrayim, it says, they were living there in peace and tranquility until this story of the B'nai Ephraim that left early. Yeah? Now, the Radal has an interesting idea of it. The, I, I could be this is a Pashim shot. But the Radal says that it sounds like from this Medrash that the whole hardships of Mitzrayim, the Shiva or whatever, that only started after this story. And then it took right 30 years. Right? One second. And this, that whole thing started only after this story. Because it says, until then, there were Yeshim, the Betach, the Shanan, etc. So, Why do you feel needy to expect it? Well, no, so I think there was there were slaves, but they weren't. They didn't have the hardships, the the, the extra inui and the bayimaru was That that came that came afterwards. Like the, like the slaves in the south, could be. But so 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 it sounds like so the Radal says it sounds like from here that it only started after this story when B'nai Ephraim left. <laughs> now we mentioned earlier in the year that according to Seder Olam. The Jews were afflicted the Vayimaru Aschayim began when Miriam was born, which was 86 years before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Right? So, over here, it would sound like it was only 30 years before Yitzhak Mitzrayim, because we said that this story happened 30 years before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now, Pirkei doesn't say that this story happened 30 years before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's a Gemara, that's other sources. Here it doesn't say it. So it could be that 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 Rabbi Eliezer over here in the Medrash, Pekud Rabbi Eliezer, is saying that the only, the Shibu, the the hardships of Mitzrayim only happened for thirty years. It could be that that's what it's saying. But the Radal says no. I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't like that shot. I don't see why he doesn't like that shot so much. But he doesn't like that shot because the next line, which we're going to read soon, says that the Shibu, the hardships of Mitzrayim was eighty-three years, eighty-three and a third years. But, but the Lushen of the Medrash is going to be like, it was only 83 and a third years. As if to say, you, someone right before me said that it was longer, and I'm saying, no, no, it wasn't that much, it was only 83 and a third. That, that's going to be the Lushen that we're going to see soon. So, so he says that, that this explanation about the, that it only started by the story of B'nai Ephraim, it has to be that they, this explanation held that the Shibud was more, that this, the hardships was more than 83 and a third years. And, and therefore, and, and, the, and the next explanation in the matter is just coming to say, no, it wasn't that much, it was only 83 and a third. So he wants to say, the Radha wants to say that the Pekh Zebelezer argues on the Gemara and says, it wasn't 30 years before Yitzhak Hussain, it was more than 30 years before Yitzhak Hussain. That's what the Radha says. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not so convinced with, with, with what the Radha is saying. It could be that the point is that, the, the, no, Pekh Zebelezer over here held, Rabbi Lezer in Pekh Zebelezer held that it was 30 years before Yitzhak Hussain. And this next thing that we're going to read soon is not going on what we just said, but going on, let's say, Seder Olam. Seder Olam said 86 years from when Miriam was born. And the next thing is going to be like, no, not 86, it's only 83 and a third. It could be that that's really the Pshat in it. Okay. So let's, let, let, let's read this line. Rabbiana Yoimer, Rabbiana says, Did the Egyptians not. Um, work the Jews only uh, one hour of the day of Hashem meaning it's not as much as you said the, the Shibud wasn't the, the hardships in Mitzrayim wasn't as much as you said it was only one hour of the day of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is Shmoinim Vishalish Shanim Ushlish Shana which is only 83 and a third years like we said before that it sounds like he's arguing with someone who's saying that it's more than 83 and a third what's this Cheshbin over here we said it was only one hour of a day of a Kurdish Baruch, which is 83 and a third years. Well, how do you get to that, Cheshvin? So we know there's a famous idea that the, an, a day, a, a year for a, 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 a thousand years by us, a, a, a thousand human years, let's call it, is one day for a Kurdish Baruch. Right? So the way the manager is understanding it, when we say a thousand years by us is one day of a Kurdish Baruch, it means one day as opposed to like day and night. So it's, it's only 12 hours by Kaddish Baruch Hu. Right? 
So if you take a thousand years divided by 12 hours, so you get 83 and a third. 83 and a third years is one hour of, of a day of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and, and that's what the Medrash is saying, that the the the, of, the, the hardships in Mitzrayim was 83 and a third years. Um, okay. Now here comes an interesting, the interesting part. It says in the Yalkut Shemayni, the Yalkut Shemayni in Parshas Shmois brings this down. I think it's in Parshas Shmois, maybe in Parshas Shvaira, but uh, where is it? It's in the Remez Kuf Samech Dalad Kuf Samech Hay. In the Yalkut Shemayni, it brings down this Perkei as with what Rianai says, the whole thing, even the part that I didn't read yet. And it says over there a little bit slightly different. Over there it says that the, the Egyptians only worked the Jews one hour of a day of a Kurdish Bohu, which is 86 years. A different girsah than what we have in Rabbiana. Rabbiana Bayas says 83 and a third years. Over there in Yankut Shemaini, he's quoted as saying 86 years. Now, it happens to be that 86 years fits very well with what we said before, that Seder Olam understood that the, the hardships in Mitzrayim began when Miriam was born, which is 86 years before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That works out good. But that's not what Rabbi Yana said. Rabbi Yana said 83 and a third. And he said an hour of a day of a Gaddish Baruch, which we showed that that Cheshman comes out to 83 and a third. So where, how does 86 fit? So the, the, the Zayas, the Mogin of Rom, in his Pirish on Yalkut Shemini, Zayas Ranan, he points out this question. He says, it, it, for, it, it's a mistake. The, the, the Gersa says 86, but it's supposed to be 83 and a third. Otherwise, how does it work out? 86 works very well with Seder Olam, but that's not what we're quoting. We're saying, Rabbi Yana in Pekadabaliezer. Then the Mogin of Rom brings a very interesting Cheshman in the name of the Arizal. And he basically says that there is a way that you can make a cheshbon that an hour of a day of a Kurdish Baruch Hu comes out to 86 years. How? Like this. Our cheshbon was based on just a, a very simple cheshbon, taking a thousand years, dividing it into 12 hours, and one of those is 83 and a third, and that's 83 and a third years. The Zayat Ranan says, in the name of the result, we're missing something in our cheshbon. We're only cheshboning regular years. Regular years that each year is 12 months. However, we know that sometimes you have to add an extra month to the year But that wasn't part of our husband. We just say on a thousand years We didn't say we didn't include the extra months that weren't part of the husband So he wants to say that you have to add in to this husband of a thousand years Also the extra months that you add to the calendar. So how are you gonna figure that out? So he has a whole husband which I wrote down on a piece of paper somewhere here. Oh. Now, we, we discussed in Perk Ches, when we were talking about Ibu Roshana, exactly how to determine when to add an extra month to the year. We said that, the, the, that basically there's 19-year cycles, and in the 19-year cycles, seven of those 19 years are, are supposed to have extra months. So make an easy cheshman like this. Of a thousand divided by 19, is going to be 52, basically, a little bit over 52. So 52 cycles of, of, of Ibriyars. Yeah? 52 cycles of, of, uh, of, the, of 19 years. Yeah? And we said that in each cycle, in Parikhas we discussed this, that in each cycle, there's seven years that are Ibriyar and the rest are not. So 52 cycles times seven years that are going to be Ibriyars comes out to 368 months that are supposed to be added in a thousand years. Now, 368 months, if you want to put it, let's say, in terms of years, is 30 years and 8 months. Make a cheshven. 368 divided by 12 is 30 and 2 thirds, which is 30 years and 8 months. So, you have to add to the thousand years, 30 years and 8 months. So if you have 1,030 and two-thirds, let's say, divide that by 12, basically you get, right, because we're, we're trying to get an, an, an hour of that, so, so we're getting, dividing it by 12, basically you get 85.88888888, which is basically, which the, the Arizal says is 86 years minus 40 days. So it basically comes out to 86 years if you're in also the Ibriyars. 
So he says that, that, that you can have the gears over there and the Yaakut Shemayinir works out, and you can have our gears also works out. The, the, the question is, are you including the, the extra months that you add in the calendar, or are you not including it? It's a very, very gishmak shot over there. Mm. Right, let's read Viter. The, the gears over here is a little bit, um, is a little bit needs uh, fixing up, so I'm going to read it with the way the, the Radal has it. Shalai Shanim Vishlish, three and a third years, before Meshav Rabbeinu was born, the necromancers said to Paro, there's a, a child that's going to be born, and he's going to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. So now Paro's in a predicament here. How, how is he going to make sure that this doesn't happen? He thought and he came out in his heart that this is what you should do. Throw all the male children that are born into the river. And this one that's going to be the savior, he'll be thrown in with them. Shinamar says in the Pasuk, any son that will be born, he should be sent into the river. And then you'll find that this whole thing will be bottled, will be nullified because no one, there won't be any savior for the Jews because they'll be thrown into the river, he'll get killed. So the Medjushah is following again the gears of the Radal. For three and a third years, um, they were sending Jewish, Jewish boys into the river until Moshe Rabbeinu was born. Um, when once Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the necromancers told Paro, he's already born. But he's hidden from our eyes. We don't know where he is. So now there's no point in throwing the kids into the river anymore because the guy's already born and he already escaped. On the other hand, the parasite since he's born, from now on, don't send the boys into the river. Rather, give upon them a horrible a horrible yoke, a heavy yoke. There we go, a heavy yoke upon them in order to embitter the lives of their fathers. I'm not sure why it's saying to embitter the lives of the fathers. I'm not sure what he's gaining with that exactly. No, but if the kid is already born. No, before. No, not we're saying now that he's already born, so stop sending them into the river because oh. because there's no point, and rather just make it make the lives of their fathers embitter. Like, what's the point of making the lives of the fathers embitter? The kid's already born, so what's the what are you trying to do to the fathers exactly? Yeah, that's what it is, you think? Could be. Maybe even though this guy's the savior, but they won't be interested in going because they'll be so... He's not, he's not mentioning anything about, about why, why they should be thrown uh, in the water. Like no, he said before, because, because there's this, this kid is going to be born that's going to save them. So he said, so I'll throw everyone in the water, and then this kid won't why be born. Why in the water? Why in the water, you saying? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Oh, that's what I'm asking. Because the, 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 the Gemara says... The Gemara, I believe, yeah. says that the, the, the Hashem said that he's not going to bring a mabalu to the ilam again, so, so, so he wasn't scared that Hashem is going to punish him with water, so he said, stop uh, I, I, I think the Gemara says it. Yeah. Ah, right, right. They saw that the, 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 his downfall is going to come through water, and they, they thought it meant that he's going to be killed yeah. in the water, but they didn't realize it was because yeah. of the. Where this, where he hit the rock. Yeah. That yeah. Was a cellar, but not, not that right. All right. Call to. Um. No, he has to go. He said. Four Please learn in school of Hanabas Saragito. Hanabas Saragito. The school. Her she should have a four it, it sounds like the, uh, the uh, Mitzris had uh, some kind of a notion of Mita, uh, Mita, Mita. Right, okay. could be. So they had gods, you know? Right. And the god of the river. 
okay? If we have the blood of the river, no, no, I saw it. slice it for us and, ki- and kill the children and everything, we don't have to worry about the god of the river being manipulated by the, the big god, but, okay, and causing us any trouble. I know. Tom, there's an, an interesting cheshben that, that I thought of over here. It comes out some very interesting things over here. How long before Moshe Rabbeinu was born did they start this gzera to send all the kids into the river? Three years. No? Three and a third years. Yeah. By the way, when we said 83 and a third years, so we're, we're, we're saying that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 years old by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, so 83 and a third years means a third... Three and a half, three and a third years before Moshe Rabbeinu was born is when the Shibud started. Okay, whatever. Because th- three and a third years before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that's when this gzera started of sending the kids into the river, throwing the kids into the river. Yeah. Now, l- l- let's think about when was Aaron Hakain born? So we said before that Aaron was 83 in the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Moshe was 80. So Aaron was three years older than Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah. Now, let's be a little bit more exact. Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Zion Adar. Uh, Aaron was born, Pashtus, Aaron Akain was born, no, the Gemara says that Moshe Rabbeinu died on Zion Adar and was born on Zion Adar. Because of Kaddish Baruch Hu's Memalash Neisem Shal Tzadikim Miyoyim Aliyoyim. Kaddish Baruch Hu fills up the years of Tzadikim from, even, even from the day. So Moshe Rabbeinu died on his 120th birthday. <coughs> so, in the Pesukim it says, in Parshish Masai, that Aaron HaKoyin died on the first day of the fifth month. Which, Pashtus means he died in Rosh Chodesh Av. The, the Ralbag wants to learn that it means Rosh Chodesh Shvat, which is, is a big Chodesh, because usually when the, when the Pesukim counts months, especially from after Parshish Bari, it's counting months from Nisa, not from Tishrei. But that's the Ralbag. We go with Pashtus, it's saying that Aaron was died on Rosh Chodesh Av. Many of Farshim, Including the Marshal, the Chassam Sefer, the Tesus Yom Kippurim, which is the Maram Chaviv, they all say that Aaron Akain died on Rosh Chodesh Av, and he was also born on Rosh Chodesh Av. So it comes out that Aaron Akain was basically three and a half, a little bit more than three and a half years older than Moshe Rabbeinu. Now this Gzera happened three and a third years before Moshe Rabbeinu was born. Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Zion Adar. So three years and a third year. A third of a year is four months. So four months is going to be is going to come out to three years before Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zion Kislev, right? Kislev, Tevis, Shvat, Adar is four months, which is a third of a year. So on Zion Kislev, three years before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that's when the gzera of throwing the baby boys into the river started. Yeah? So that means that if it started on Zion Kislev, and Chara Aaron was born on Rosh Chodesh Av, so Aaron was of... Elo, Tishrei, Cheshen, Kislev. Aaron was already five months old when, when, when this story happened that they should start throwing the boys into the river. That's the Pashtas. Yeah? That's what it comes out from, from, from Pirkei Debeliezer. Aaron was five months old. Now, the Radal over here brings another Medrash and he brings this Medrash as if it works together with the Pirkei Debeliezer. But the way I understand it, there, there's, there's, there's something missing over here. It seems like there's a Machoikas. Another medrash, it's in the sefer called Devere Yamim Shalmaisha. It's also brought down in sefer Yashar. It's also brought down in the Yalkut Shemayni. It's also brought in sefer Ha'aruch. All these places, it says, why is Aaron a queen called Aaron? It says Aaron Aharain is a lush, comes from Russian Heroyan, pregnant, pregnancy, because when Aaron's mother was pregnant with him, that's when the gzera of sending all the male boys into the river began. That's what the medrash says. Now, that doesn't make sense according to what we're saying. Because according to what we're saying, Aaron was already five months old when, when, when the Xerah started. Yet this manager is saying that the Xerah started when she was already still pregnant with Aaron. So how does that work out? So the actual Gezerah was that any children born from this time on, correct? Right. Okay, so one way Aaron uh, misses it, and the other way he should have been... Right. So, I would say, either you have to say that there's a machoikas between these midrashim, 
Now, our Medrash holds that the Gzera started three and a third years before, and, and Aaron was, was already born. And the other Medrash held, no, it was more than three and a third years before, and Aaron wasn't born yet. Either you have to say like that, or you could say, and maybe this is more correct, the Chazanish in Mesachas Rosh Hashanah says that you don't say this cloud that the Gemara says of you don't say that on your own. If the Gemara says that, that a certain person he, he died in the full years instead of partial years, so fine, the Gemara says it about him. It says it about Maish Rabbeinu. But if the Gemara doesn't say it about somebody, you can't make it up on your own that, oh, this person also died on, was born on the day that he died. You can't make it up on your own. It happens to be that the Chazanish over there is talking about Aaron. And he says that, that Aaron wasn't born on the day that he died. He has a whole other Cheshbin. I don't understand this Cheshbin. But he wants to say that Aaron was born in Tammuz. That doesn't really help us. But I want to say that it could be that Aaron was born... I don't know. He has a whole Cheshbin. You could look at it and try to figure out what he's saying. But, but I want to say that Aaron was born sometime between Kislev. Sometime between Kislev and other. And then it will come out very good that, 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 that if the Xerah started on Zion Kislev and Aaron was born after that, so then it comes out very good that, that Aaron was, what's it called? That Aaron was not yet born when the Xerah started and he's still only three years older than Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and it's still called, the, 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 it, it, and, and, and the Xerah started three and a third years before and, and, Aaron, and she was still pregnant with Aaron. That, 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 that's, what, that's what I would say. The other point is that the Radal says, the, the way the Radal understands it, he says, well, according to what we're saying, that, Aaron, that the Xerah started before Aaron was born, and especially if I'm saying it also, so Aaron, uh, uh, the Xerah started before Aaron was born, so how did Aaron survive? Right, I mean, the Torah spends a lot of time speaking about how Moshe was saved. Right, so how does Aaron save? So we know the Midrashim, the Gemara and Saita, and in, in, in Shemesh Rabbah, the Midrashim speak about how the women used to go out under the apple tree and give birth, and then the, the kids would grow hair and cover them, and it would, they would look like trees, and they would go on the ground, would swallow them up, and they would be hidden under the ground, all kinds of interesting midrashim. So the Radal says that, that that's what happened to Aaron also. Aaron was one of those kids that, that, that survived through, through this miraculous way. Okay. What? Why wouldn't they assume that Moshe would uh, make it that way also? I don't know. No, because Ben Moshe says... He's saying, why did, why did she have to send him out in the... Here, I don't know. Why did she have to put him out in the river? She could have just assumed that the, the same thing that happened to Aaron was going to happen to Moshe. I don't know. Cause Moshe, okay, whatever. Well, I, maybe I have an answer. Because Moshe was born early, so, so she, she, she was, he was in the house. He grew up with them for a little bit. And then afterwards, afterwards, she couldn't hide him anymore after three months. Okay. But let's go back to Rabbi Nisano says, When we're talking about when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, so when, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, his for, it says, his forefathers. The Radal says that it comes to include you know, his father and his grandfather, like the whole family. Okay, they saw that Moshe Rabbeinu had the had the the Torah of Moshe, the form of Moshe, looked like the form of a Malach. He looked like a Malach when he was born. And they gave him a bris when he was eight days old. The Radal points out that in the Elvis Rabbi Nosson, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was born mohol. He was born with a bris. So if he was born bris, so then how could they give him a bris when he was eight days old? Okay, so, it could be, so he says that it must be talking about Hatofa's damn bris. He just you make a little prick and draw some blood, and that's like the same thing. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon said, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Vikarushma Yukusiel. And they called his name was Yukusiel. The Pirush Vilay Oid Ella from, uh, what's his name, Rabbi Yomi Izmir says that they called him Yukusiel because they saw that he looked like a Malach, so they gave him a name that's similar to the name of Malachim. The names of Malachim usually end with an Aleph Lamed or a Vav Nun. So, so here they called him, or Resh Vav Nun. Uh, so here they call him Yukusio, which sounds like the name of a Malach. Rabbi Shimon says, no, Toiv Karoisai. They didn't call him Yukusio, that wasn't his name. His name was Toiv, not Yukusio. Shehama, because it doesn't apostle, which says after he was born, about his mother, that she saw him 
she saw ki that he was toiv, that he was good. So Rabbi Shimon is understanding that it doesn't literally mean that he was good, but it means that his name was good. Radal points out that we have a precedent in Tanakh that the, the, one of the people, one of the characters in Megillus Rus, the one who didn't want to do, the, the one who didn't want to redeem Naomi's field, his name was Tov. That's a magic that his name was Tov. Or Pliny, the Pesukim don't, don't refer to his name, it just says Pliny. But the Chazal tells us that his name was Tov. Uh, we're on the topic over here of the names of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Medrash in this week's parsha, in the beginning of uh, Vayikra, Vayikra Rabbah, says that Moshe Rabbeinu had ten names. Moshe Rabbeinu had ten names. His name was in Vayikra Rabbah, parsha Aleph, Simon Gimel says his name was Yared, Avigdor, Chaver. Avi Soichoi, Yukusiel, Avi Zanoyach, um, and then it says Tuvia, and brings this passage of Kitoivu, so it's a little bit machlik as you say that passage of saying his name was Tuvia or Toiv, Shmaya, Ben Nesano HaSoifer, and Moshe. So these are the ten names of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Medrash Vayikar Um But the Medrash says, that what was the name that he was called? The Medrash says that different people called him different names. His mother called him this, Hashem called him this, his father called him this, his grandfather called him this. What was the name that he's called by in the Torah? It's called Moshe. That was the name that was given to him by, by Basya or Bisya. Why? So the Medrash says, What? His, the name of Moshe is only established in the Torah, the, the name that was given to him by, by Basya. Why? Because that is the schar of someone who was Gemel Chasodim. She did kindness towards Moshe Rabbeinu, she helped him out, whatever, she raised him. So since she raised him and she did kindness towards him, so Hashem gave her a special reward that the name that she gave the kid, that's going to be the name that's going to be Kavuah Ladeiris. One of the questions is, how did Bis- the Pasuk says that she called him Moshe Kiminamayim Mishisihu because he was drawn from the water. One of the questions is, if we're talking about Basa giving him the name Moshe, so how did she know Lashon Kodesh? We said the Pyro doesn't speak Lashon Kodesh. There's Gemara insight that says the Pyro didn't speak Lashon Kodesh. So Basia spoke Lashon Kodesh. Where do we see this? So before I speak about this, in my book I also speak about this in Appendix B, a lot of different mafarshim about about this this idea, but interestingly, the Abar Benel over there in Parsha Shmois says that, that it's not talking about Bissa, it's talking about his mother. His mother called him Moshe because he was drawn from the water by Basya. Okay, so that doesn't really work with this man we just said that it was Basya that called him that. In your book, you say that the language they spoke was similar to from Akedish. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. There's a few. That's one of the Mahalchem, yeah. Okay, that's the topic of the names of Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, fine, let's go back. But Tach Be'eba Ba'is Tach Asa'ayat Shlesha Chadashim. She hid Moshe Rabbeinu, the mother, hid Yocheved, hid Moshe Rabbeinu in her house under the ground for three months. Shneema Vatispinayu Shlesha Yochim. She hid him for three months. Gemara says that the, he was born early and the, the Mitzrayim were cheshbining when he was supposed to be born. He was born three months early, so that's how she was able to hide him. Or the, the, the Gemara says that, that she separated from her husband and then she remarried him. And the Mitzrayim were cheshbining from the night that she remarried him. They were counting nine months and expecting him to be born then. But really she was three months pregnant from, the, from, from her previous marriage to Amram. When she, re- she when she got remarried, so she was already so he wasn't born early. He was born, let's say, on time, but but early from 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 the husbanding from from when she got remarried. After three months, she wasn't able to hide him anymore. So she put him in an in a teva in, a, in an ark. And she put him in. She sent him in the river. And the Medrash is going to say that Hakadosh Baruch Hu takes care of all the details and makes sure that 
when she, when when Yehovah sent Moshe Rabbeinu into the river, everything was already set up for his salvation to be saved. Everything is already foreseen in front of Kadesh Baruch and set up in a way that it's going to happen. That, that he's, this is not his, going to be his demise. Why? Basya Bas had these horrible afflictions. She wasn't able to bathe in hot water because she had these horrible afflictions. How do we know that she had these horrible afflictions and that's why she went to go bathe in the water? So the Bayes HaGadol, the appears she have on the bottom over there, says that the, because it doesn't say that after this, this whole story that she found the baby and, and she decided to take him home, it doesn't say afterwards that she went to, the, to bathe. It says she went to the river to go bathe and then she found this kid and whatever and saved him. And then it doesn't say afterwards that she bathed. So she went there to go bathe, but why didn't she end up bathing? We'll see in a moment that, that basically she got healed right when she went, right when she picked up the baby. So there was no reason for her to go to the river anymore. The Red Dao also talks about the, the Lushan is that she went al She went to bathe, let's say, on the river. But it doesn't say that she went to bathe in the river. So what does that mean on the river? It's like a funny Lushan. You don't go on the on the river. And okay, whatever. Some some people could. <laughs> She has magical powers. Some, some, some. They have these platforms, royalty, you know, rich people, they have these platforms. They sit on them. You're saying it on top of them. They put it in the. They put it in the. Oh, that's what you want to say. I hear. The pier on the pier, you know. But it was on the boardwalk. It was a platform. I hear. Like a tube. The Red Dawah has. He says that there's a similar in Sefer Malachim, and by Naaman he was going because he had Sarah, so, so she, 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 she too. Was... Could be. It says Nigoyim. Nigoyim sometimes means like Tsaras. I didn't say Tsaras, that's an affliction, because Nigoyim is, it could also just mean affliction. Naaman has to be different. Here it says Lashon Tevilah. It says in the Apostle, like, Tevilah means he has to go into the water. Inside, yeah. It can't be here in the Okay, the Red speaks about this, but okay, whatever. Okay, so, so she went to go bathe because she couldn't go into hot water, so she went to go bathe in the river. She went to go bathe in the river. And she saw a child crying. She sent forth her hand and she, she held him and she was magically or miraculously healed. And she said, Something very funny. It's a funny. What she said, "Hanara is a tzaddik who became to l'chaim." Oh, this this kid must be a tzaddik, so she kept him alive. That's a funny thing to say about a three-month-old kid. Oh, he's a tzaddik. I don't know. Now the Medrash quotes a Mishnah in Masechet Sanhedrin. Any any person who 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 keeps. Who, who helps continue one nefesh from Kali Yisrael is as if he kept go, kept, he saved the entire world. And anyone who destroys one nefesh from Kali Yisrael is as if he destroys an entire world. Therefore, the daughter of Paro was Zoyche, she merited to cling to Tachas Kanfeshina, to join under the, the wing of the Shina. The Gemara actually, the, the Gemara Mesachah Saita says that she went down to bathe by the river in order to become a Giyaris. She was converting. The Turi Evan in Mesachah's Megillah says, How could you have conversion before Matan Torah? It doesn't make any sense. And you have to understand what exactly the Gemara means. That's what the Gemara says. She went to bathe to clean, cleanse herself from the Avedah Zara of her father. And she was coming to become a Giyaris. Of course, it wasn't mean gayris before Matan Torah, whatever that means. But she was joining. She was joining whatever it means to be to join Kali Yisrael. She was joining it. Daughter of the king. Daughter of the king. But I thought we were doing about the Zohar also. So, so, so maybe Bnei Levi weren't, or maybe it wasn't the same type of way as Zohar. Maybe it's a good question. Not as bad as that. Maybe, maybe not as bad. At what point was she um, was she healed? 
when she was reaching out I actually heard I actually heard a theory about once once you ask the question I have heard a whole theory that somebody is writing a book about that there were two types of Avodah Zarahs that the Jews were doing in Mitzrayim and the Mitzrayim were doing in Mitzrayim and there was a fight over which Avodah Zarah really has more power and then sort of Hashem came and said neither of these Avodah Zarahs have power that the Jews were worshipping some sort of Avodah Zarah that's associated with Yosef and the Mitzrayim were worshipping a different type of Avodah Zarah it's a whole thing it's a very interesting thing it works with a lot of different Chazals over here but Batya, she was uh, healed at what point? What? At what point was she healed? At what point was Batya healed? When she picked up the kid. When she picked up the kid, okay, she was healed. Yeah. Fine. So that's not so strange that she said that he must be a tzaddik. Okay. She just thought that, she thought, that, no. she thought that he would leave, he healed her. Right, fine. But I'm just saying it's funny because he's a three-month-old kid. So... He's a kid. He can't even talk. And you're saying that he's a tzaddik. That's what I think. It's just it's it's, it's just funny. Maybe it means he's destined to be a tzaddik. Fine. So say he's destined. The other the other the pshat in in the, in the that she went tachas kanfei shchina. This is the time when they had like child kings and child gods and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not. I know, it could be. Yeah, she found some sort of significance. Like you need responsible people to. Uh, the Radar brings a, a, a Chazal in, in, in Mesechah's Derech Eretz Zuto that it says over there that Basia was one of the people that entered Ganeidin alive. So that, that's another Pshawar Emin. She went Tachas Kanfei Eshkina. She went into Olam Habor. went to Ganeidin alive. Okay. And then it says that Basia is called the daughter of Hashem. As the Mepharshim speak out because Basia or Bisya is Bas, daughter of Ka, Yod Hey, Yod and then Hey, which is the name of Hashem. But what what time is it? Well, now it's uh, it's going to be eight thirty. Hold on, eight thirty three. Okay, fine. So we'll stop over here, and uh, thank you for coming. Have a good talk. See you again next week.